This episode's guest is Mike Potenza. Mike is the strength and conditioning coach for the San Jose Sharks in the NHL and owner partner of Tactical Fitness and Performance. Mike, along with Kevin Neal and James Lavelle, are releasing their educational product, Optimizing Adaptation and Performance, which goes on sale on the 29th of October 2019. So we wanted to get Mike on this episode to share with us what is covered in optimizing adaptation and performance. So on this episode, Mike gives us his background. I asked Mike, why did he, Jim and Kevin, produce optimizing adaptation and performance? I asked Mike, how many times a year is he looking at his athlete's blood chemistry? I asked Mike, how has Jim Lavelle's work influenced his programming? We discussed nutritional protocols for concussion rehabilitation. I asked Mike, how does Jim objectify his nutritional interventions? I asked Mike how he tries to regulate his players' biological rhythms and exposure to proper light spectrums. I asked Mike for his top and current book recommendations. I asked Mike, how does he learn? I asked Mike, how does he decide what information he can trust? And finally, I asked Mike if he could invite five people to dinner, dead or alive, who'd he invite and why? Guys, it's a great episode with Mike Potenza, and I hope you really, really enjoyed. Hold on now. Oh, we're on. Potenza, you absolute beauty. Thank you so much for making time to come on to my podcast. Before we get going, your name. Where is an Italian? Is it Italian? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's it's a it's a I love it. I love it. Yeah. So uh it's, um listen, Mike, honestly, great to get you on here. I know we're gonna speak about um this uh product that you've this educational product i said that you're putting out with uh james and um with kevin Neald called optimizing um optimize optimize optimizing adaptation and performance just making sure i got that right so uh before we go any further though mike just give yourself a little bit of introduction to the listeners your background and um take it away my man all right well thank you for having me um this is my 14th season with the san jose sharks so it's gone by in the blink of an eye, that's for sure. Um, prior to that, I was at the University of Wisconsin uh, for four years, working with men's and women's hockey and wrestling and softball. So tremendous place uh, to live and work and a great collegiate institution, that's for sure. Um, prior to that, I, got, I, I did a little bit of work. I was at Colgate University in upstate New York for a short amount of time. I was there for like four months. And I took oh. that position because it was a higher level assistant position. Um, prior to that, I was working for Mike Boyle, uh, part-time at his facility, both in the summers and during the year. And I was working part-time at Harvard university with a good friend and mentor, Sean Hayes, who Springfield college, he's in Georgia now. Great guy. And, uh, and then prior to that, I was getting my graduate degree at BU with Glenn Harris, um, who's another terrific mentor for me, uh, and good, great friend. And, um, prior to that, I got my degree at Springfield college. That's the kind of the gist of it. I've been in a a lot of cool internships with uh, IPI and Brandon Marcello and Mark Verstegen, um, University of Miami football and um, wow. a couple um, USA hockey training camps that, where I was able to evaluate talent and things like that for the world juniors. And um, I have a private business that deals with educational pieces like this video, but also deals with Jim Laval um, in terms of metabolic performance, which is cool. Mm. This has brought me, it's called tactical fitness and performance. That's brought me into the world of the military and training them. I've been involved with military performance as a side business since 2009, working with uh, elite pararescue men in the Air Force, 
there's a base not too far from um, San Jose um, at Moffett Airfield. So one thing led to another with a, a good friend who was an operator and, and I started training them and they, they saw our training model and wanted that to be part of their regular, um, you know, operating procedures and, you know, the rest is history. Now they, ha now it's mandatory across the national guard for that, for that career field, which is pretty cool. So that's, uh, that's the history of, of me in a nutshell, a little bit. We're not going to get too deep. I don't want to screw up too many skeletons <laughs> on this. <laughs> so Springfield, do you know Dr. Thompson? I do. Yeah. Brian was one of my professors, um, my senior year before I left. So I'm cool. old, I guess I'm, 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 I'm right on the, the edge of, falling off and being old i think i went to Springfield from 96 to 2000 and then bu from 2000 to 2002 and when you were at boyles was it the old winchester facility um it was it was the old winchester yeah but in the summertime he kind of transferred some of us like um myself and glenn and another guy working for him ed manti down to the south shore because that's when he began oh, to right. use blue hill, blue hill middle schools and in, in, uh, yeah 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 and sportsplex and those kind of areas so it was cool it out. so just for the international listeners san jose sharks are an ice hockey team in nhl so wh how what got you into ice hockey um i played when i was a kid but i played from about 9 to 12 loved the game got expensive for my mom so i just kept doing soccer and baseball and lacrosse and carried soccer all the way through to my collegiate uh, my time at springfield it was a d3 school and i played there um three years um and it was it was great it was, i enjoyed my enjoyed my time there hockey I never fell out of love with hockey and then in collegiate strength and conditioning in the states it's you work with everybody you know yeah, staff yeah. act with a strength coach or a performance coach for every single team um so um from there opportunities just came to be you know the wisconsin job afforded me to work with hockey specifically as my main team i worked mm. with uh, the women's pro the women's program at Colgate. I worked with the men's and women's program at Harvard um, under the direction of Sean Hayes at Harvard. And then the head strength coach at Brian Glover at the time at Colgate. Um, but the university of Wisconsin job was the first time it was my show, which was great because it was a really highly competitive um, Western, the WCHA is one of the more competitive conferences at the time. So mm. but just before we hop into discussing optimizing training and performance, I really want to ask you, what was the move like to Wisconsin? Like, was that just a whole other universe? It was uh, the Midwest style of living was definitely, uh, you know, <laughs> slower than the East Coast for sure. But it's an amazing place, Robbie. Like, I would probably, my wife and I would retire there. My wife and I met uh, in college and she's from the East Coast too, but it was such a great place. It was cold. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I was, was about to say, it must have been cold all the times, yeah. Cold and, you know, snowy mosquitoes as big as birds but you know it's uh we, we don't miss that part of it that's for sure but yeah we, we miss the lifestyle and miss the community around badger sports it was amazing yeah it's one thing i appreciate it um from my time of living in the state so um like say from an accumulation standpoint i've lived six months in boston two different three months bouts and i've lived in arizona three months when i was at altus and it, I did notice that, that the East Coast style of living was very different to the West Coast. Like, I actually loved Arizona. I just thought it was so chilled out and laid back. Not that I didn't love Boston. Like, it obviously has, you know, its uniqueness to it, too. Like, but I just found that, yeah, that the, that the East Coast is very different to the West. Yeah, definitely. So, why did you decide to do this educational product with, uh, with James, or as you call him, Jim, Jim um, Laval and Kevin Neils called Optimizing adaptation and performance what was the uh what was the light bulb moment for you guys coming together on this project um 
a little bit, a little bit of a background with Jim, my relationship with Jim and Kevin, like Kevin and I have known each other for a long time and have been friends for a long time. And, and he's one of the smartest guys I know. And I, I've had, I had the privilege of hiring him as my assistant in San Jose for two years. And mm -hmm. it was great. You know, it was such a great learning environment with him and, and to spitball ideas back and forth. It was, it was, I was very lucky to, to have him. Um, and he may be a better coach. He may be a better manager of, of what we do as a program too. Um, so Kevin and I would have discussions, not only programmatically, but what are the other ways away from the gym and the physical time you spend with athletes to maximize what you're providing? And maybe, you know, Kevin was real, is really good at uh, looking at data and structuring the data the way that management needs to see it historically and um, in a perspective, like how do they compare to our current athletes and maybe where we could get a prospect player who just came to the combine. Does that make sense? Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How can we manipulate data to look at that? And how are we looking at our data related to the physical side of what we do that's still trending towards optimizing performance? Is somebody dropping off or is somebody kind of staying even keel or somebody continuing to, to grow and improve throughout the life cycle of their career? So Kevin had that aspect and brought that to the video because we wanted to answer that question or present that to performance coaches because that's something we deal with every single day, right? Jim, I heard. Um, I heard Jim's name through one of my close friends, Jim Schneider at the University of Wisconsin, who works with hockey. Um, and I heard about his two, not, uh, his two books, Metabolic Code and Blood Never Lies. And I was like, man, I should really dive into this because I know he did a lot with Charles Poliquin and did a lot of formulations for Charles Poliquin. And um, when I started diving into the book, I was blown away, you know, and, and at the time, Robbie, like we were doing blood tests as a team. Guys had markers that were, you know, on there on their printout or on their profile, like, geez, what's this mean? This is bad. My creatinine levels are bad. Potenza, what's this mean? Is that creatine? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, or my BUN levels or my cholesterol. So we didn't have a good system to evaluate or to communicate to the players. Okay. This is what the problem is. So when I dove into the blood never lies, I was learning more of what these markers mean. And I was like, well, shit, these markers really are affecting performance. It can't, and affect performance in a lot of different ways. One case in point, we do our preseason testing on blood first week of September. But prior to that, the three weeks, I have the, I'm blessed to have a lot of our guys come back early to train with me, right? So second week of August, we have like 15, 10 guys. Third week, we have 15. And it keeps growing. So by the time, the final two weeks in preparation for training camp, we have like 25 guys, sometimes 30. So I get to control that small facet of a pro athlete's program that, you know, you don't see in the summer and you don't see in the off season. So leading up to the blood tests, one particular time it was uh, our docs were like, well, geez, everybody's creatinine and BUN levels are really high. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. They're like, why? I'm like, cause we just went through a hellish bout of training for three weeks mm. in preparation for training camp. And now we're beginning to taper. If we did these tests in a week or in a, maybe even less than a week, they'd be much better, you know? So, and they're like, Oh, that makes sense. You know, it's like, you know, so we're trying, I was trying to integrate them into the process and do a deeper dive if you will. So when I started to read Jim's work, I'm like, man, I know somebody in with, in the NHL is working with him, which was the Chicago Blackhawks at the time. And I was the director of the educational process. Um, so the summer meetings for the NHL strength coaches, um, and I was like, geez, we got to get him to talk to our group. 
and then I invited him to speak and we kind of hit it off and and it's brought us to learning more about, okay, what are we missing from a blood marker standpoint, from an internal standpoint, from a metabolism standpoint? What are we missing that's optimizing performance? You and I talked about cortisol and maybe understanding where that's going to go based on training and maybe how to manage it with sleep. You know, another thing is like the way we, the way our players eat and the timing that we eat and um, managing blood sugar levels as those can respond to insulin and then respond to testosterone, right? Or growth factors. Mm. So um, that's what we wanted to kind of capture those types of questions and answers for the consumer uh, on the product on gym side. For me, a couple, the third facet of that video was or is um, in-season training and modeling because now, Robbie, my, my in-season is much more complicated, important, um, and critical than it ever had been in my career. You know, in-season pretty much, it's not that difficult to manage with a college athlete. you got two games a week. You're prepping or recovering for the remainder of the week. Um, but in-season, my in-season became my off-season. It's so important because I have nine months with the guys, and then they're gone for three months with their personal strength coaches. So I really have to make an impact. So in terms of retaining adaptations that you gain in the summertime, I really felt like, okay, a three by 10 program or a regular maintenance program isn't going to do the job. You know, we have to put some focus on this program. We got to put some attention to it. And even when things get monotonous, we still committed to doing this in season because the end game is to, to be as close to optimal as we can in February and March, you know? Um, so that was my facet was the in season programming and then reconditioning because I've had the um, ability privilege in uh, working with a lot of guys who've been injured and, and I kind of manage that return to play program um, from an on ice aspect because I'll get on the ice and skate the guys when you know it's time to kind of reintegrate that and uh, plan their off ice piece through the whole life cycle of the injury so so it was kind of we wanted things Kevin and I definitely wanted things that complemented each other for the performance coach and I think we hit the mark in, in, in bringing Jim in and Kevin expertise with the data and, and, and formulating it that way and, and my, my areas of the in-season program and the injuries. So. Just regarding the blood work you do with your players, how often are you taking their bloods? Yeah. Um, in a good year, three times. So we do a preseason one, we do a mid-season, and then we'll try to get another one in probably late February. In March, it's too crazy. April, no, no chance because you play two games and you're prepping for um, the playoffs, you know. So the beginning, the beginning and the end, uh, in the, sorry, in the middle one, the middle one, we include a, few, a little more detail with the food intolerances panel, just to make sure we're looking at what guys are eating consistently. It kind of can tell us a little bit of that. Um, but it also can tell us if guys have any concerns that we should be aware of with our catering and our meals on the plane and things like that. So, um, but yeah, we're trying, we're shooting for three. And since kind of coming across Jim's work, how have you incorporated what you've learned from him into the preparation of your hockey players? Because just one thing I'll say before you respond is I've had this conversation numerous times, you know, on my own podcast and other podcasts and discussions with our coaches is this concept that like sport inherently is not healthy. And mm. most like kind of individuals who you know, and just for the convenience of this conversation, and I, I don't mean to sound condescending, but we'll just say lay people. Most lay people think that athletes are healthy. And then you're kind of trying to tell them they're actually not because they have to specialize so much in their sport that they're trying to be a master of. And they also have to like 
push their bodies to such an extreme that they're actually on the spectrum of vitality and death. They're closer to the end that's towards death than vitality if we're talking about pure health and longevity. So what I always try to tell people is that sport or being fit for sport does not equal health and longevity. And a lot of, again, lay people would think that, oh, if you're an athlete, you, you must be you know, healthy and, you know, this must, they must like, this must contribute to longevity. It's like, actually it takes away usually from longevity. If you look at most of the literature. So kind of my point is like, you know, when you look at bloods and you're saying like, oh, the docs were like, geez, these are bad markers. It's kind of like, well, yeah, of course they're not going to be good. Look what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. At a certain time of year. We, um, you know, I think nutrient wise, you know, I think when you grow up in the world of performance and strength conditioning or whatever, you know, you're learning about different, you almost wear a, another hat sometimes as a nutritionist and that's not disrespecting anybody who's focused their career in nutrition it's just mm-hmm. those are the resources that are available and um you know so i think it, it's definitely improved my knowledge of what nutrients to give these guys specifically are, are we we have the ability to get a lot of different supplements and and have a really good food service for wherever we are whether it be traveling whether it be on the plane whether it be at home whether it be post game at home um, but now we can be really specific with it. You know, I used to think, okay, everybody needs vitamin D. I'll put the vitamin D vitamin out for everybody. Everybody needs this um, probiotic or somebody needs more magnesium. It's, it's really boiled down to who needs what and what amounts now for us. Um, so, you know, if, if you're one of our athletes, you'll come in, you see your profile on a chart and say, okay, I need more of this because I was deficient at this blood test. And we can do another checkup mid-season to see if we're meeting that level. Because we travel a lot and we're nocturnal animals and we're revving up the engine against circadian rhythm at 7 and 7.30 at night, mm. our, our, um, our magnesium pools are shot, um, our um, vitamin D levels are low, which coincides to you know, a preseason testosterone that's here. And then all of a sudden we see this decrease towards the end. <laughs> I'm super big on that. And he's got simple nutrients recommenda- nutrient recommendations in the amounts, which is great on how to kind of curb that and kind of don't let that testosterone slope come down really hard because if you're down here, then you know cortisol is getting jacked up. And we travel, you know, we eat, we're always living in acid, you know, Um, then we train that way because hockey's anaerobic, you know, so it's not my job to give them more anaerobic work. It's more of the kind of the opposite. Let me fill the bucket that's not getting filled, Mm. you know. Um, Sleep, every you know, sleep's a big buzzword, you know, and and that's one of the things when you say guys are on, you know, it's like, yeah, they look like you know, Greek gods, but they're inside, they're you know, already going down that rabbit hole of being unhealthy, and sleep is the big concern. We guys, we don't, have, we our guys don't fall asleep till two, three in the morning after a game, and then have to get up for a practice at eleven o'clock the next day, which you know, you're gonna, you're probably getting up two hours early, you know, and things like that. So it's made me look at what we can support sleep with from a nutrient standpoint and be really specific. Um, you know, cause we, you know, we want to stay away from ambient as much as we can. And we want to stay away from, uh, you know, prescriptive sleep aids as much as we can. So Jim has been super helpful in that area. Yeah. Big time. I mean, again, I think one thing that, you know, needs to be stated too, is that there's, there's no judgment either in this and that like, you know, if you speak to a lot of athletes who are aware of the trade-offs that they're making in terms of like their longevity, they're like, yeah, I understand that this isn't a healthy thing to do, but I, I love my sport and I'm willing to make the trade-off. Well, then there's no judgment w- with that at all. But the point I'm just trying to make is that, you know, so many people do confuse that being athletic 
oh, must mean they're healthy. It's like, no, that's not how it usually goes. But it, it, it is great that James is trying to put some strategies in place that can help, you know, that can help off put the, the, the detrimental impacts as much as possible. So that's key. So, oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. One of the other areas he's diving into, which was pretty, pretty cool, is uh, the neurocognitive aspect of mm. what um, what nutrients you should have and why it's important and how the cascading effect of cortisol levels and getting no sleep and blood sugar dysregulation can affect you know you neuro neurocognitively and, and and create some neuroinflammation now think about this like if you're a high skill sport and you're trying to perform tactics under these environments how much can you retain or how much can you you know how much can you learn and adopt you know so that's kind of a cool a cool thing to consider when you know are you throwing more gas in the fire and are you really, are we really refueling these guys for these, these detriments? You know? Has Jim given you any strategies from a nutritional standpoint for concussion protocols, like for inflammation with the brain? Yeah, very, very much so. We just discussed that and you know, I host a seminar for him and we did our third one. Um, it's in the summer, it's in San Jose and it's called mapping cellular metabolic performance. And it's two days with Jim um, and his medical director, Andy Heyman. And um, it's tremendous. It's awesome. And, and we talked about that. We talked about TBI and what the brain goes through and what nutrients it needs. And, and you know, there's things like choline. There's things um, that, that help the brain with healing. There's things like alpha-GPC that you can get um, some more uh, neurotransmission, you know, maybe when the wires are crossed a little bit with a TBI. Um, magnesium is always going to be there because that's just drained from everything that we do, right? Um, but it's a key uh, nutrient that we need and we don't put it back enough um can't run your can't run the Krebs cycle without it right yeah well you know it's like i say i say you know magnesium is the new vitamin d every or you know and prior to vitamin d everybody was on omegas and after that and everybody's on vitamin d and now it's like okay well magnesium is the new thing but it it's its purpose should have been 25 years ago you know for the way we want to drive run these engines hot all the time you know that's the because jim makes the point if, if you don't have any magnesium if you use up your magnesium pools the next place it's going to go to for magnesium your body to reach homeostasis is in your bone so you're going to start melting bone to 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 get to the levels that you need um so it's it's super interesting but um choline um omega-3s are obviously huge i think you just got to know where your sources are from you got to know how where, where the sources are coming from, how it's packaged and is it a reputable, reputable source and obviously tested via NSF or informed for sport or, or BSCG, you know, uh, if you're working with athletes, that's for sure. So. How is Jim knowing that, like, how is he objectifying that what he's given to a specific individual is actually working? Cause again, I suppose if you're only taking blood three times a year, those tests are so far apart. And I mean, like you could test blood every day and like it could come back with like rapidly different results. It's just a totally agree. It's just a snapshot, you know, and, and now in my four, fifth year of taking blood samples with our athletes during the year, um, we're just starting to know, okay, we're just starting to see our trends or we're starting to look at those trends. Jim dives into the research all the time, you know, it's mm. real better better phrase um his private business the metabolic code is doing testing much much more than than our athletic population yeah, yeah. works with in the mls and nba um they're doing more frequent testing than than we are too i think with what we want to try to do with it robbie um and seeing the snapshots and big picture items are three times a year 
two times a year is, is beneficial. I think. Oh yeah, it's still worth doing. Don't get me wrong. No, I know, and, and but you know what? An American sport is not ready for all of the monitoring that's going on. Mm. And what I mean by that is like you could you could take pills all the time and, and supplements and things like that. You can get pill fatigue or supplement fatigue. Or, and, and, and with, with our guys, you can get monitoring fatigue, you know, so not everybody wants to put on a heart rate monitor every day. Not everybody wants to have to put the catapult on every day. And, and if you're poking and prodding them too much, I think you get pushback and, and you really got to make sure that you're keeping them involved in the process. Right. You know, we look at it from a health standpoint for our guys and we explained that to them. Um, so, and I think, you know, three is the magic number, at least for us, because we get 25 guys to buy into the blood analysis every every year. So, yeah, it just uh, another another piece to like all this testing and, you know, biomarkers. And it's an area that like I do want to look further into because it's it's sort of it's in the background of my mind like as an area that i do want to dive into because like it's it sounds interesting intriguing to me but i don't have enough sort of investigation to it yet to kind of articulate how i want to say it but just from the work of a gentleman called uh, dr jack cruz like you know we're, we're kind of looking at a lot of these things in isolation like you know vitamin d levels and magnesium and then he's kind of like you know if you looked at those test results where at, at different times of year where the circadian rhythms and the lights, the light exposure to the human body and the temperature of the seasons, he's like, these things change drastically. So considering these isolated markers in like at different times of year when the biorhythms are completely different places, like he's talking about like if you're drawing blood under blue artificial light, he's like, and then you were to draw that out in a natural spectrum of light, he's like, that changes the blood test. So it's just like, I think a lot of times we look at these things in such isolation too, that it's kind of like, and then we're like, oh, he just needs this and this. And it's kind of like, you know, there's a lot more pieces to that puzzle than, than, than we'd like to think we can, you know, than we like to admit to, or that maybe not even that we like to admit to, but we're just that we're ignorant of really, you know? So you, you definitely have to, I, I always have to catch myself in, in isolation is a great word um, because Jim will talk about that too. It's like, he's like, don't look at all these markers by themselves, you know, because when he's created his triads, if you, if you go and dive into the metabolic code or even just go on his website, when he explains his triads, you know, you have, you have the, the brain, the, the gut and um, uh, cortisol, like those, those triads work together or affect each other. And then there's his markers that are all supporting around that based on his research, what he's looked at. Mm. Uh, how do all those markers affect those three things because they all influence it. And then he goes into kidney lymph and, um, uh, was it kidney lymph and liver, you know, and then those three affect have, have some markers that affect them. So it's pretty, that's I, I do. I always do have to catch myself saying, okay, I can't just look at one, this one marker because what else is it affecting? You know, yeah. Same, same as when we talk about functional movement and, you know, um, you know, anatomy trains or, or lines of fascia that are affecting, you know, from your toenails to your fingernails kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Just a, a question from me to you, um, just because I'm a bit intrigued with this. Because, like, you guys spend so much time indoors, are you doing anything or are you starting to think about anything to do with like light therapies for regeneration, like to kind of, again, maybe regulate some of the guy's biological rhythms. Cause again, like they're probably all they're getting is artificial blue light. Cause they're inside training under a hockey rink or in a hockey rink or on planes traveling. Mm-hmm. Like how much natural light do you or the guys actually see? And 
is it something you've thought about or considered about or are you taking any you know preemptive actions to offset maybe the effects of that the, the, in california we, we're lucky enough to have sun a lot of the time of the year you know so when it's dark and gray in the east coast and, and you guys are getting snow and freezing rain and stuff we get a little bit of a rainy season in northern california but you could go outside in february and it's 70 degrees out you know so mm. that, that's a benefit um but when we travel, we're into those other environments, so we have to worry about it. The biggest light, um, uh, not therapy, but uh, concern I have is the devices, right? So yeah, yeah. on your computer where you're watching your shifts, whether you're watching Netflix on the plane or whether you're on your phone, I really told the guys uh, and instructed them, hey, we have to, you have to kind of drown out that, that blue light. And, and here's some different strategies, whether it fits the, the background drowning with the amber um, tone to the screens mm-hmm. or, or whatever uh, i've gotten guys um I've, we've gotten guys amber shaded glasses to sleep with exactly yeah yeah so we hand those out on the road and and when they're watching tv in their rooms and think different things like that um yeah that's career i always laugh because like what what's it like when you're educating the guys in that they're like but why and you're like uh oh, do you start talking about it? And they're like really yeah exactly. i'm not wearing those stupid glasses i'm like well you probably should because you'll sleep better you know and then yeah, the next yeah oh my god i slept so good with those glasses on i'm like yeah and everybody's like how much are they i'm like 10 bucks i got them on uh, you know a building supply company or something like that i tell you what's a sign that worries me though mike is when i am outside in sunny days and i see all these people wearing sunglasses now okay it could be it could be a thing where some people are wearing them as a, like a fashion a fashion thing but most people are wearing them if you ask them why you're wearing sunglasses they go oh because the glare my, it hurts my eyes and you're like that's a sign you've got macular degeneration and it's because you're looking at like blue light all the time right, and, yeah. and when you go into a full spectrum your eyes can't handle it yeah so it, it just it worries me when i see that because i'm just even here in ireland now people are like it's not even that bright people are just constantly wearing sunglasses anyway it's like vampires walking outside in the oh sun. absolutely so just before we wrap up here um going through the actual topics again so jim has has i think three presentations on this so he's got metabolic performance series he talks about cortisol and its uh downstream metabolic effects he um also then talks about mitochondrial optimization so he's a man after my own heart because i can talk about mitochondria all day i love it i took a mitochondrial medicine course a few courses actually with a guy called dr kachera and that really just opened up my mind and again if you're not aware of dr jack Cruz's work i mean uh, if you want to talk about mitochondria, that's the man to go to. And he'll give you more resources like Dr. Doug Wallace. Doug Wallace actually was the guy who who found out that we inherit all our mitochondria from the maternal side, even though that's been questioned a little bit, that there might be some from the paternal side. And then he talks about the gut immune and brain function, which again is another topic I love talking about because I've read a lot on the brain-gut axis. So you got like Dr. Detis, I should say, Dr. Detis Karazian, it was a fantastic book, Why Is My Brain Working? And that goes into big detail into like the brain going access. So that's Jim's. Uh, you yourself, you said you have your, um, your in-season in modeling, unlocking performance while minimizing fatigue. I love that title, actually, unlocking performance while minimizing fatigue. I really thought that was a very sort of, you know, straight to the point and um, some great um, insights into that. And then you have your reconditioning, philosophy and integration assessment programming strategies with yourself. And then Kevin's two are performance profiling as a platform for program design. And the second presentation from Kev is workload and mon- and recovery monitoring to drive practice training and recovery interventions. So, man, there's a lot of information in this. It's absolutely jam-packed. Most of the presentations are 
an hour, slightly over an hour. So, I mean, there's a lot of material for people there to get through. So again, the product is optimizing adaptation and performance. So Mike, where can people find out more about this? When is it going to be released? Um, fill us in on all those details. We're looking to launch it next week on the 29th of October and um, our website where you can go and, and get snapshots of, of the videos and, and all the information that's packed into each presentation is optimizingadaptation.com. Okay, great stuff. So Mike, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you would have liked me to have asked you? Um, no, you got everything, you got everything covered. Um, is there anything you want to ask me uh, that, that you haven't asked as, me? As always, there is. Now, they're, they're not necessarily related to uh, your uh, educational product here. But what I would like to ask is, just for the listeners, and because I always love asking this question, what is your current reading recommendation? And what would be your top book recommendation, if you had to give away one? Okay. Um, current, I, I am, I'm the guy who's got two or three books going. Uh, listen, we all have that, but we're all ADD. Unbelievable. Um, as Mike Boyle would say, reading ADD. Books, and they're not, they're not, uh, they're not scientific. Um, one is called, uh, chop wood and carry water. Whoa. I heard from Tony Holler and it's a great team book and it really resonates with, with our, with our group because we have, um, we have some younger guys on the team and they really have to learn how to be pros, believe it or not. You know, our age range is from, you know, 20 to 40. Wow. Is- that is a big age range. That's similar enough to like the Gaelic game sports over here. You could get that. Yeah. So, um, I, I really like that book because, you know, I'm speaking to, you know, veterans with 1500 games playing the NFL and I got guys with five games and we're trying, I'm trying to, you know, you're trained a different way for, for each. Yeah, he's absolutely. And so that's your current, what will be your top if you have to give away a book recommendation? And I, I appreciate too, when I ask this question, people often say, well, it depends who am I giving this to? You know, are they male? Are they female? What time in their life? But I think they, you think you have coaches listening to this. So I think that that's my top one. Um, the, the child oh. would, Oh, that is your top one. Sorry. Okay. And then I'm a little, I'm, I mean, I'm behind on some stuff, but I'm reading um, the endurance book. Uh, which is tremendous. Hutchinson, yeah. that his one, Alex Hutchinson. Yeah. yeah, I haven't, I haven't read it either now, but uh, it's, it's good, a good stuff. Good read. I think we can, you know, all of us can geek out a little bit on it and then the good stories. You know, I, I've, you know, unfortunately, I, I've, I'm, I think now I'm only now being, beginning to appreciate other areas of sport and their accomplishments and their mm. drive to train and things like that. And, um, you know, I remember being at the University of Wisconsin and, and one of my good friends, Steve Merlin. I don't know if you know who that name is. but Yeah, the name's familiar. He um, basically invented the flat rung ladder, is, uh, <laughs> is kind of, but tremendous coach, you know, kind of in that Gary Gray, uh, Vern Gambetta um, fraternity of, of coaches at the time. And, um, yeah, yeah, ahead of his time. Yeah, and Steve was like, hey, you know what? You, we, this, this kid at Wisconsin's going to break, uh, he's going to run a, you know, sub. Uh, close to a four minute mile i'm like really i'm like well let's go watch him you know so it's like you know you're gonna appreciate those things when you're right in your backyard and not just hockey or football or just you know the the glamorous sports you know what i mean so it's pretty cool to see. absolutely yeah. and uh, just for the listeners myself mike just talking about like appreciating like you know sports outside of the ones that we're usually associated with so for me like you know i'm associated with the irish sports over here and you're obviously associated heavily into ice hockey even though you know when you were at wisconsin you were involved in other sports and you've been involved in other sports throughout your career and in, in the different places you've been but yeah uh, we were talking about a football life you know and just looking at the different coaches and players you know so uh Mike, another one for you. I have two more for you. Um, 
how do you learn? I'm, I'm very fascinated in, in mastery and I'm very fascinated with creativity and I'm very fascinated with how different individuals learn. So what's your learning process? If you, if you wanted to, let's just say there's an area you want to get into, probably pretty similar to when you came across Jim's work and you were like, I want to really get into this and understand it. You know, yeah. what's your learning process? How would you go about that? That's a great question. Cause I, as a human being and as a coach, I'm always like, nervous that I'm behind or there's so much information out there, Robbie, as you know, like I'm nervous that I'm, that I'm behind and I'm, I'm not sure if I'm mo- looking at the right things or, 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 or that it's always a concern of mine. Right. But, um, for me, reading is a big part of it, but I'm a slow reader, you know? Um, but I'll do my due diligence. I can't pound out a book in three days. You know, I don't have, I don't have enough time or, you know, I'm not that great of a reader. Right. So, um, but using my network uh, of professionals that I've mm. been, to connect with and you know i as a young strength coach i would just cold call him you know and a, a great friend of my family who's not even a coach he was a firefighter he's like why don't you just call the guy you know and i'm sure if they're worth if they're that good and they want to give back to a young coach or a young student then they'll talk to you and if not then maybe you don't want to talk to him in the first place I'm like eh, that's true so i cold called a lot of people and jim was included but you know burned him better at the time and um you know, Glenn Harris to get the position at BU and to be an intern. Yeah. yeah. A lot of different areas, but, um, it was very, very, uh, rewarding when I, when I can reach out to a network and spitball different things and learn from, from different people, you know, Brandon's high on that network, um, for learning and things like that. And, and Kevin is too. So, um, that's, that's one of my ways for sure. So just to follow up to that question, how do you go about deciphering if you can trust a certain individual's information. So I'm also very fascinated with this concept of expertise versus experience, because you get a lot of people that they might be in certain situations where they come across as a tort of because of a certain position that they hold, but it's, it's, you know, as you know, oftentimes it's kind of like who, you know, rather than what, you know? So again, it kind of like, how do you decipher what information to trust and who to trust? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's going to be those individuals in your career from a coaching perspective and from a friendship or relationship kind of perspective, like, okay, I'm going to talk to them first, you know, whether it be Jim Schneider with me, Glenn Harris, Brandon Marcello, Kevin Neal, I'm going to go to them first. And if they don't know the topic, then, you know, maybe they can point me in the right direction. But mm-hmm. if it's some, with Jim's status of where he is in metabolism and looking at blood markers, I, I definitely did my background work before to read his work. Gotcha and talk to different people before I would come to him, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, that's what we all got to do. You got to do your background check first. It's not like you can just call Usain Bolt because he's the fastest sprinter, you know? <laughs> like, you got to do a little bit of a background. Um, I think, I think a, good, a good thing to do is also the why. Just keep going to them. But why? And if they can't, <laughs> if, if, if they stop after the first why and can't keep explaining, you're like, mm, something fishy about your information. It's kind of superficial. Whereas you go, why? And they go this. And they go, okay, I understand it. And why? And they go, and they keep going. And then you realize it all just comes down to biology, chemistry, physics, and maths. <laughs> That's right. And if you can understand those, you understand the world and the universe. Uh, last one for you. I'm going to take you for dinner, Mike. And I say to you, Potenza, first of all, your name's cool. Uh, second of all, you can take your family. So you can't include these people. They're already there. Okay. So this is going to be, you have to have, you have to have a little bit of a, uh, a thinking spree here but i say to you mike you can bring five people to this dinner 
These mm-hmm. five people, they can be dead or alive. I've got magical powers, baby. It's the Irish in me. Yeah. And uh, they can be real or fictitious characters. Who would you bring to this dinner? Who would be the five people you bring to this dinner? And why would you bring them? And if you need some inspiration, I can give you my five. Okay. Um, I want to hear your five, but I think I, I, think I got them. Okay, yeah, go. My, uh, my, my grandfather, my mom's dad, uh, would definitely be there. Cool. Um, he was, uh, you know, a patriarch of our family, but, you know, just a, a amazing um, beacon of strength, you know. He lived till he was about 90, 93, but things stopped working when he was 90, you know. Um, but tremendous human being um, and tough as nails. Uh, so I would pick him. I would pick my three best friends from home, two of which are named Mike, actually. Uh, and so I, we grew up together. Uh, I don't see them enough. I, I You know, it's we were we've known each other since we were in daycare. So that's how many years we've been able to stay together. Like the, the four musketeers, you know, the plus one. Um, and then the last one, um, I would say, Oh man, that's a tough one. Oh wait, who could I, who could I pick? I don't know. I'd have to get back. Jeez, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'll say, I'll say, um, Probably a guy named Joe Pavelski, who's uh, Joe is a good friend. Joe's Joe was a former shark. He actually plays for Dallas now, but Joe was at Wisconsin when I was there, and we had a great relationship. Um, so I've seen his whole life cycle of of be, being a f- incoming freshman and making it to the NHL and maybe having to stay there. So we have a tremendous relationship, and we've always had a lot of good uh, off ice time together, training and but also talking life lessons. You know, spell his surname because I'm gonna have to put him in the show notes. P-A-V-E-L-S-K-I, Pavelski. Cool, listen back to that, because I put everyone's name in the show notes, because the first four people I don't put in because they're family, so. but if it's anyone like, you know, that's, uh, you know, that I can look up on Google, I'll do that. Um, He's a pro who, who gets it. Like he, he takes a lot of time to not only on his game and the physical side of what he does, but he, he's a student of it, you know, which is cool. Mike, listen, you've been savage guest here. Really loved the conversation. And to be honest, I was actually a little bit disappointed in one way, I was like, ah, oh, I get to speak to Mike Potenza, but I was like, I kind of just want to speak to him about like life and coaching. Yeah, you know, not, not not to not, not to like disregard the the phenomenal educational product you put out. And uh, listen, I know there's going to be people like listen just rolling their eyes. And listen, I'm going to be honest with you, I haven't watched all the videos, but listen, I know I know how hard it is to put out an education product. I've seen Kevin's previous work before that he done with Joel Jameson in terms of product here earlier. I know from Mike Boyle, who's an individual that I trust very much, that he's like so much time for you and speaks so highly. So I know that there's definitely some in- integrity. I can't say that word there. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- th- there's definitely uh, substance to you as an individual. And then I came across uh, Jim or James. I know you call him Jim. I came across Jim's work actually initially from the podcast from Anthony Renna. So I've looked a little bit into Jim's work. And so far, from the little bit I have seen, I have liked. So really do appreciate making time i uh i definitely have this podcast out before the product's launch and i'll do everything i can to put the word out to the masses um just mike if there's anyone listening that actually just wants to reach out to you individually is there anywhere they could go social media email or um i'm i'm on twitter um so you can definitely find me there or if they want to contact me personally there's two emails um that are best for me it's uh m potenza at sj sharks and cool. or you use my tactical one which is tactical fit pro 
uh, at gmail.com. So. Great stuff. And listen, I, I'll, for the listeners, as they know, I'll put all that in the show notes. So finally, again, the uh, educational product that Jim, Kevin, and Micah put together is called Optimizing Adaptation Performance. I'll have it linked up in the show notes. It'll, uh, the web address is optimizingadaptation.com. And again, from, from the little bit that I've in, it dove into so far, it is extremely impressive. And it, it, one thing I will say just before we wrap up here is that I, I do love products that cover, a, a, you know, a, a lot of topics and like it's vast, like, you know, because you have Jim talking more about like, you know, the metabolic processes and mitochondria and good health. Then you have Kev talking a bit more about programming and then you have yourself talking more about like reconditioning. So there's a wide genre covering that. So you're getting a lot of bang for your book in one place. So it is a phenomenal resource. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, Mike, thank you so much. I'll say goodbye to you offline. And for all the listeners, until next time, I will talk to you very, very soon. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Mike Potenza. That name is so cool. I love, I love Italian. It's Potenza. <laughs> so good. So good. But until next time, take care. Be well and stay strong. Mm-hmm.